McFarlane, yes, McFarlane, I am screaming McFarlane because we do that when we're excited, thanks to McFarlane Energy, the fine people who power the Brad Foe Show, and I'm excited because it's been a great day of interviews between me and Coop, and we had Bianca Smith, and you might know her as the first African-American woman ever to serve as a professional baseball coach, but I know her as someone who inspired me today. Talking to her, it was just awesome hearing her talk about coaching and all obviously everything that she's doing down there in the Florida Complex Leagues. If you want to talk to a Red Sox minor league coach, you want to talk to Bianca such a great story, but more importantly, such a great mind and really, really a great podcast. And then, of course, we have Boots in the Ground and Benellis. Alex Benellis, minor league report, because once again, if you're going to have a minor league report, you're going to want to do it with a minor leaguer. And we couldn't help but dive back into the time of game stuff with, with Alex and the pitch clock and the weekly update and how that's going. I mean, he caught a lot, a lot of traction with his insights last week when we had him on he'll do it again because he gave some great examples along with giving us an awesome insight into per diem in the minor leagues spoiler alert zaxby's waffle house 30 bucks you're done for the day all right we got it all going on. It, like I said, it was a great time. I want everyone to subscribe if you can. Brad Foe Show. And I, I don't want to give away anything, but next week is going to be one of the most momentous weeks here at the Brad Foe Show with a couple interviews already lined up. You're not going to want to miss it. But this one's really, really good with two people, Bianca Smith, Alex Pinellas, and obviously my guy Coop. You're not going to want to miss it. All weekend long, just listen to it over and over and over again. First, we're going to start off with Bianca. Uh, Bianca, listen, thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor to have you here. And um, I, I can't imagine what it's like in Florida. Like when it turned April 1st, when, when we were down in spring training, I walked out of the hotel and it was like a bowl of soup. Like, is, I, how, do you, how do you play baseball? I mean, the great game of baseball can be played anywhere, but man. It got probably got rough there in a hurry, didn't it? Let's just say last year I used to joke that whoever's bright idea it was to play baseball in Florida in the middle of the summer was an idiot. Oh. <laughs> it definitely gets rough, but I mean, I grew up in Texas and it's a different heat because uh, I grew up, grew up in dry heat. But yeah, the heat, the humidity, the eventually constant rain, it's starting to come where it comes at the same time every single day. At least we know what to expect. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, and you knew also when you were up in, so you went from Texas to Dartmouth, which I, I listen, I played baseball in Wolfboro, New Hampshire. And, and the problem was, is that the shortstop where I played, the, the wind came off Lake Winnipesaukee. So it was like, for, forget about it. You know, it's like taking like 20 miles an hour off of any, any throw you made. And so you, you've had quite an eclectic sort of climate change haven't you in your career i mean it's we can get all into your career but this is this is a more fascinating thing the fact that you went from the dry heat of tech, texas to dartmouth to to the soup that you're in right now in florida oh you know i've been all over i mean my last job was in wisconsin for two years i mean the only place i haven't been at this point is the west coast and i mean i've been there to visit but haven't worked on the west coast just yet <laughs> They say San Diego's awful for weather. So yeah, it's terrible. It. Yeah, <laughs> I no. actually almost had the chance to uh, be an intern for San Diego. Ooh, do tell. Yeah. What, 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 doing what? 
Well, so when I got my internship with the Rangers, um, San Diego actually tried to offer me one as well. And it wasn't really set in stone just yet. They were trying to convince me, you know, wait, wait a little bit longer. Um, we're trying to put some stuff together, but you know, if you get deadlines, Rangers like, Hey, we need to know in you know, two or three days. I told San Diego and they're like, you know what, go ahead and take it. But, uh, they were trying to put something together for me so I could work in their baseball ops department. And, um, I'm glad it worked out because as much as my parents would have loved to come visit me there, mm. it's a lot cheaper living in Texas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there you go. That's what the players say too, right? Florida and Texas. But it's – so when when obviously you've had it – where you've landed is awesome. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about it, and I appreciate you coming on. Um, first of all, like when you talk about these job offers, did you ever go to the job fair at the winter meetings? This is for my own edification, right? So did you ever do that? So I didn't do the minor league job. Okay. Um, I thankfully had some really good advice uh, where somebody told me if I was going to go to the winter meetings to look for a job, particularly with a major league team, not the minor league team, because most of the minor league jobs are, you know, business ops, ticketing, marketing. They told me to make sure I had um, interviews or in meetings already set up before I went to the winter meetings. So I, my first one, I actually met with, nine teams, six of them, I'd already set up a meeting or an interview ahead of time. But I didn't have those meetings set up until about two weeks before. So I had to scramble for an, for a hotel, for a flight, you know, Uber. I, I was actually, um, I was, since obviously I waited to the last minute, I couldn't get a hotel room at the same hotel. So I was a couple miles away. I had to Uber there and um, my hotel didn't have a fridge, didn't have a microwave. So I was eating Pop-Tarts and peanut butter sandwiches in between meetings and I would just stuff my bag so I didn't have to Uber back. So I'd get to the hotel at like seven in the morning and I wouldn't leave until about six or seven at night. And I just had all these peanut butter sandwiches and like crackers and stuff in my bag to munch on in between meetings. See, really this is ingratiating yourself with like the minor league like, yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. See, the, <laughs> I mean, this, is you belong. People, this is what people don't understand. Like this is like, I talk, you know, Brian O'Halloran, obviously the, the GM for the Red Sox, you know, his story, I don't know if you ever got a chance to really sit down and talk about his story about he was a he, he was basically the last guy out of the Republic of uh, Georgia in Russia. And, and, and so he, he had this this other life. And then he came, he wanted to be in baseball and he volunteered and he was like going to the cubicles and the bowels of Fenway Park for, for nothing. And to get to through baseball, it's a hard thing. And this is why I asked, because I, I did that. I did the job fair and you got better advice than I did. It was awful, awful. It was awful, awful. But anyway, you landed in a much better place in baseball than I did. But anyway, so going back to, so you bring up like the twists and turns of your career. And, and I heard you say in a podcast that you you basically got cut from your high school soccer team, right? Yeah. Okay. So you're just, but there's no shame because your high school soccer team was really good. Yes. Very so, good. So, the, the, so I'm going to ask you to talk about how that basically set you off down your path. And then I want you to think if you can of another moment that really sort of set you, maybe set you down the path that you were now. So starting with the, because I have also been cut from teams. Coop, you ever been no, cut I'm from perfect. a team? No, you're I'm perfect. perfect. Listen, perfect. Listen, 
<laughs> That's why I'm not playing in the MLB. I know. Listen, I heard. I heard the high school. I heard a George Washington. George Washington club team. They said you had an 80 curveball. So I was listen. Let's... No, I wasn't a pitcher. Actually, the one time I pitched down there, I, I walked in the winning run. So oh, okay. Definitely there pitching was not my <laughs> thing. There you go. But so anyway, I I I. I have been cut from a team and it actually helped me. And I'm not going to tell that story, but for you, if you could talk about that story, then like I said, maybe another story that also that, Hey, you know, this happened and it was very, very fortunate that it did. Yeah. So with my soccer team, um, yeah, I've mentioned I played soccer for about 10 years and it still stands. I played soccer longer than I played softball or baseball, or I think the only thing I did longer was dance. And um, my mom was right. I wasn't going to make my soccer team. And I will say this. It wasn't because of lack of skill. It was because I hate running. Oh, really? Hard to play soccer when you don't like running. Yeah, that's tough. I feel that. Yeah. I, what, it's like five miles a game that they run. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I can't do long distance. I have no oh. endurance. I just lucked out that the soccer team, the, uh, the rec team, and the uh, travel teams that I played on were so good that as a defender, I didn't have to run. All I had to do was kick the ball back up to them. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> There were times where I'd be sitting in the, um, you know, sitting right in front of the goal, just like picking flowers because I didn't have anything to do. That's so econ- got- we call that. Uh, that's economical. That's, that's smart. It's economical. And if they can't, if they can't see that, then they don't deserve to have you on your team. Their team. That's so being a great go. role player. If you it ask is. me. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I ended up joining my high school softball team. I joke that uh, I did not know how to throw at all. Because, you know, with soccer, you're throwing here. You're not throwing here. So I kind of threw like a shot put, and it was absolutely terrible. And my coach, um, I started as a middle infielder. I went back and forth between short and second. So our coach actually taught me how to throw sidearm. And then once I finally got sidearm down, he moved me into the outfield and never taught me how to throw overhand. So I was really? throwing sidearm from the outfield for three and a half years in high school. Really? And after wow. a while, our coach was like, as long as you get the ball there and it doesn't hurt, just keep doing what you're doing. So it's sad. And I mean, it is kind of sad. Thankfully, I mean, you know, my BP is actually pretty good. I can throw a lot better now, of course, but I didn't even learn how to throw properly overhand until grad school. Really? I was wow. still throwing sidearm in college. I mean, have you had like a physical therapist look at your arm at all and just be like, what, what have you been doing? No. And I probably should. And, um, <laughs> I know. I honestly, I really, sh- I still warm up sidearm if I'm close. And then as we back up, then I start throwing overhand. But even with BP, like last year, I was throwing six days a week, not just in BP. I was throwing every morning, 60 to hundred pitches in the cages wow. and then I'd have BP later. And everybody would joke like, yeah, you just have a rubber arm. Like Sunday was my day off. And if I took more than three days off, my arm would hurt from not throwing. Really? Yeah. That's just. How, what, how fast can you throw? Oh, I don't throw hard at all. I think yeah, but, uh, in yeah. grad school, my changeup was clocked at 55, 56. Yeah. Never clocked anything else. Okay. Um, I actually do throw harder now. Yeah, because you're throwing all the time, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. The, the, the most important thing about batting practice pitching is just the accuracy, right? Yeah. And yeah, I, think so, that's- I mean, that's. That's what you need. Oh no, I know. I, I I'm not. Listen, I up a little bit more. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not. I'm. Believe me, I am in, in great admiration of you throwing BP. And I've always like a BP pitchers. It's a skill that I don't think people understand how important it is. Number one, and how difficult it is. Number two, 
I just, it's like when I did the podcast with Bogarts for I like, how much do you bench? I'm just curious. Like, you know, like it's just curious. That's, that's what people are curious about. Curious, I, mean, I, you know? I had my first year coaching like Legion, completely different style of coaching and like degree of coaching than what you're doing. But I had my first year of coaching uh, like high school ball and going from playing shortstop my whole life to doing BP pitching. I have so <laughs> much admiration for you. Oh, yeah. And it's such a skill. It took a while to get there, uh, especially coming from outfield. I still kind of had the longer arm action. And so I had to practice and I started you have to shorten it down, correct? Like yeah. you're only kind of going like almost ear to like forward. Yeah. So it's still a little bit longer than it probably should be, but it's definitely shorter than if I'm actually throwing from the outfield. Cause I'll still do that occasionally too. Like if I'm shagging balls, um, but it took a lot of practice. Like I started throwing batting practice in grad school but I started practicing it maybe two or three years ago where I would go out three to five days a week and just throw into a net. Like I had the um, nine hole and I would just aim certain, certain locations. And uh, it's interesting. You asked how hard I throw since I don't throw as hard as most, like the guys do. I actually taught myself how to throw different pitches from BP distance. So I throw a curveball, change up, if I back up a little bit, I can get my slider and uh, a cutter as well. But primarily, I can do at least uh, four seam curveball change up from about thirty feet and actually get the movement. Which not a lot of BP pitchers can do. Like honestly, I mean that's well, most guys don't want to see it. I only break it out for the guys oh. who I trust enough to not get mad at me if I randomly throw a curveball in there. Uh, all right, here's the big question. Okay, um, uh, Rafi Devers. Says, you know, he's in the all-star game. He's in the home run derby. It's like, I want Bianca to pitch to me. Okay. I want you to be the BP pitcher. Number one, do you do it? Number two, are you good at it? Because you know who did it? You know who did it in an all-star game? Oh, I should know this. because your, your, your boss. Yeah, I know. Brian Abe. Abraham. Yeah. Yeah. Abe. Was this yeah. for Ortiz? Uh, was it for Ortiz? No, it was for... Or yeah. was it... I think it must Ortiz, have been. Ortiz wasn't the last home run derby contestant, was he? Yeah, Gonzalez would have been, wasn't? Yeah, I, I can't remember who it was for, but I remember he did it. Yeah, because I gave him a lot of crap about it. But uh, could he? I mean, that's that's like that is like the you know the pinnacle of BP pitchers, right? That would be a little bit harder because um, I actually learned this with uh, fantasy camp this year because I did get to coach at the fantasy camp. The BP that we throw to our guys where we're actually trying to help them get better is not the same as easy BP where we're trying to get them to hit home runs. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to throw in the same location and that's what's harder. Like as a BP thrower, I'm taught to throw a little bit lower. You're trying to actually throw what they might see in a game. Um, if we're trying to do feel good BP, just actually really easy and they're trying to hit home runs, then I'm going to throw it a little bit higher. So it's already elevated but not every guy can hit that either. So it's, it's, it's different. And the reason why I learned this with fantasy camp is I was throwing, you know, regular BP basically um, during coach pitch. And most of the guys couldn't hit it because it was too low for them. <laughs> so I actually had to learn how to throw higher. <laughs> but if I throw high to our guys here, most of them are not going to swing it. If it's above the belt, they don't swing it in BP. Whereas that's kind of what you're looking for, for your home run pitches right there. <laughs> See, you don't want anything too low. This is awesome, man. This is this is good. This is like this is the stuff that this is not I, people that don't think about. 
You, and Rob, also, you always talk about me being like the hidden geek. Yeah, this is me geeking out right now. Right. Like, well, I yeah. love this stuff. Yeah, and it also exposes how terrible those fantasy camp guys are, too. I mean, let's go. <laughs> Joke is hey, they, own. Yeah, no, they, they have some uh, <laughs> they have some excuses. I mean, yeah. I the oldest guy we had on our team was uh, 81. Oh, and really? He probably hit me better than anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, Bianca, so... It, the you get cut from the soccer team and you end up heading toward baseball. Um, give me another, give me another fork in the road for you. So getting cut from the soccer team had me playing, but it didn't have me working in baseball. What truly got me working in baseball was um, my, after the end of my freshman year at Dartmouth, and I'm no longer ashamed to say this, I was actually academically suspended. Um, my GPA was terrible. And the reason why I'm not ashamed is the fact that I got my GPA up. Obviously I graduated, but I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. I actually went to Dartmouth thinking I'm going to major in biology. I'm going to go to university of Pennsylvania vet school. I had the entire plan worked out. Then I changed my mind on my bio uh, major because first of all, our bio classes were at eight o'clock in the morning and I'm not, not a morning fun. person. Makes it very difficult here when I have to be at work at uh, six thirty. Right. It's, it's <laughs> sick, it like it, people understand like baseball in Florida is all backwards, man. Like spring training, what you're doing, like it's it's so counterintuitive. These guys are like like you said, you're showing up at six thirty, and then like we're trying to do podcasts with minor leaguers. Our guy boots in the ground, Alex Benellis, and he's like, "Well, I can't do it before noon because that's when I wake up." I and mean, people don't understand <laughs> this. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go it's ahead. a different lifestyle. It is. Oh, it's very. Um, but yeah, after deciding I wasn't going to major in biology, I didn't have a backup plan. I kind of jumped around different majors. I tried classics. Um, like I took Latin in college. I mean, I was. That's, all a, that's over the place. a very Ivy League school thing to do. <laughs> I, I have okay. to point that out. I will. Okay. So, slight side note the reason why I took Latin was partly because I thought I wanted to major in biology. But also because the Spanish classes were, require you to be up at five in the morning, five days a week. So that would be your, your language uh, yes. roundabout thing. Whereas Latin and Greek, you only have to take it for two terms and you're not required to speak it. See, that's why, you so are at, just, that's why you're at an Ivy League school. That's outside <laughs> thinking. Yes. Yeah, I should have stuck with Spanish, especially because I <laughs> took it for seven years in school yeah. anyway. But that was kind of my <laughs> excuse, too. But yeah, so I finished my freshman year. Um, I got the letter. I remember calling my dad because I think I was with my at my mom's house. But I remember calling my dad just crying because I also this is something, you know, just kind of as as an athlete, too. Like I never failed before, especially at academics. Like everything just came easy to me. I didn't even learn how to study in high school because I was just good at retaining the information. So I almost dropped out at Dartmouth. My parents are the ones who convinced me to stick with it because they knew that was my dream. And then um, when I had my suspension, I was out for three terms. And one of those terms, I started working at our local YMCA where I was keeping score for the basketball tournament and realized that I loved the environment. I'm not even a huge basketball fan, but I loved being there around athletes, just helping out anywhere I could. And that's when I decided I want to work in sports. And if it's going to be sports, it's going to be baseball. So it's actually thanks to being suspended that that's what led me to realizing that this is truly what I want to do. And this is something I'm actually willing to work for. And it kind of taught me, you know, just things are going to happen. 
there's going to be some, you know, pitfalls, there's going to be things that blocks in the road. And you just have to learn how to get around them or get over them and just kind of creative thinking sometimes and just figure out ways to get past them and get better. Well, Uh, well, I mean, what a great, I mean, not to sound all cliche, but what a great lesson, the fact that the two instances that we're talking about are two instances of failure, right? Where you, 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 you hit, you hit, you, Points in the road where you could have said, oh, man, I failed. Oh, well. Right. But you, as you said, you had to figure it out and you figured it out both times and both in both cases, direct path to where you are now. I mean, that's a. I hope you tell your players this. I mean, I, I, I hope I, 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 I have told my yeah. players um, when sometimes when they need that story just to hear somebody else failing, particularly when it's their coach. I think there's that too. There's this expectation on coaches where we have to be perfect. We always have to have the answers. We, I mean, yes, we need to be ready for our players when they have a question, but we also can't be afraid to tell them, Hey, we don't know, but we're going to find out. And then showing them that it's not a terrible thing to fail. Like I try to tell our players, failure is not a problem. It's not learning from your failures. That's a problem. It's Mm -hmm. not being able to come back from them because you learn more from your mistakes than you do your successes. Let me ask you this, is that, you know, when we talk about baseball now, there's so much of, well, you know, we have uh, all the tools and all the analytics and all these different ways to measure things. And, and it's great. It's all great. And, and different approaches when it comes to hitting, different approaches when it comes to pitching, different approaches when it comes to fielding, all of it. Okay. And I, I would imagine you like digging into a lot of that stuff, but for you as a coach, which do you think, which is the part where you like better, which is, is digging in and as Coop might say, geeking out on all this stuff or getting into like the mental side of things? So when I first started out, it was the digging in, but I think it is also me just learning more because it's so different from being a player versus being a coach. Like I'm a better if, if I knew what I knew now, I would have been a better athlete only because as a coach, I am digging in for my players. But what I've learned, especially with the pro level, I mean, it's a little bit different on the college level because you're still dealing with, you know, there's a lot of you know, different mechanics that you might have to fix. At the pro level, there's not as much we need to fix. And it really is more the mental side. And that's when you see guys succeeding. It's not necessarily changing their swing it's just getting them mentally prepared to face a pitcher getting them mentally prepared to get moved up and to face failure like things like that so as much as I love digging in and I still do that here uh, especially with the resources we have that the mental side is when you actually start to see things click for players because a lot of times like it's not a swing issue it's not a mechanics issue it's you know, or time, it's mainly like timing or a mental issue or just, yeah, it's psychological, just getting guys past that, you know, that hump in their mind, like that. Especially, especially get guys the age of that you're dealing with. I, mean, I was just, is, so I was just about to ask that, Robbie. Oh, look I mean, at you. Yeah. All right. I, like I said, I, I mean, I coach like high school level ball and the guys that a lot of the guys that you're coaching and working with, you know, they're not much older than, than high school level, or they're just past the college level. And they're, they're, they're young and dumb. They're just like me. So <laughs> is, it, is, is it difficult to reach to them sometimes or like, 
because they they're at that level where they are professional ball players, but they're still young enough where maybe they don't get the grasp of, Hey, I should need, like, I should listen up here or Bianca or coach Bianca, coach Smith. What do you, do you go? What do you go by coach Smith? Well, I actually only have one player down here who calls me coach Smith or no coach. Okay. B. He coach calls B? me coach B. Nobody else calls me coach. And honestly, nobody at the pro level really calls their coach coach. It's usually a nickname or their first name. Or so what do you typically go by? Last name. Either B, Bianca. Um, I've got one coach who actually calls me Smitty, but nobody else does. So yeah, <laughs> it's either B, Bianca or BZ. But uh, so, so if someone goes and it's like, hey, like coach, coach B is great. She's telling me all this wonderful things. But, you know, I got to the big leagues here. I know what I'm doing. Is it tough to reach through to guys like that? Or do you ever, is it a lot of times like that? Um, at this level, and especially with, I think like things are starting to change where younger guys are, they're more willing to listen. Um, but yeah, you're always going to face players like that. It takes a while to build that trust, but it's with any coach. Like you have to build that trust in that relationship before guys listen to you. And I'm fully aware of it. I'm never going to jump in with a player I've never met and start giving him instruction. I typically wait for them to ask me. And that's when I know that, okay, they're ready to listen because it, it doesn't matter what I say. If they don't trust me, they're not going to do what I say. So I have to build that trust first. And a lot of that comes from not even talking baseball. It's just getting to know them, getting to, you know, ask about a family, ask about where they're from, ask about school. I mean, it's a little harder with the Latin guys because of the language barrier. I am getting better at Spanish. Of course, they are learning English. So occasionally we've got like Spanglish going back and forth where they might ask something in English or like a couple of Spanish words, but we're getting there. Um, but I think also with this age group, they're not, they, they know that they're not there yet. Like they're not at the major league level. And they know the reason why they're here is because there are things that they still need to get better at and things that they need to work on. And once they know that we're here to actually help them, like it has nothing to do with us. I mean, yeah, I joke if it, like one of, um, one of my responsibilities is I run the outfield. So outfield makes a great diving play. I'm going to joke with the other outfield coach. I'm like, Hey, great job. But we know that it has nothing to do with us. That's, you know, that's them. And they know that. They know that it has nothing to do with us. It's their career. And once they learn that, that's when they're willing to listen to us because they know we're truly just trying to help them. And we make sure that it's a conversation. Like coaching should never be a dictatorship. It should be, here's what my suggestion, here's why, this is what I see. Do you want to try it out? If not, okay, maybe we can try something else. But if you trust me enough, let's try this out, see if it works. After a while, if it doesn't, that's fine. We're going to try something else. So it's just that trust that we're in it for their best interests. And we're actually just trying to help them get better. I want to go coach something right now. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm, I'm going to run through a brick wall right Let's now. Let's go. Let's that go. was great. I like, Coop coaches baseball. I coach high school basketball. And I'm like, oh, man, all the things I did wrong. What's going on? <laughs> uh, I just, Bianca, I just want to, I appreciate you taking so much time. And I want to finish things off just with, uh, a question about one instance and one player. The instance was the wheelbarrow, right? <laughs> right? The, the, the wheel. So in case people missed it, uh, you had tweeted out, this is a, it was a great video of the wheelbarrow of basically the players down there simulating the laundry cart, uh, the Red Sox home run laundry cart. Um, and uh, so this, how did that happen? Take me through, give me the oral history of, of what happened there. Um. 
honestly, I noticed that la the last minute, I just happened to thankfully grab my phone in time to take a video of that. But uh, we were, was it inner squad or was it, it was, a, I think it was, a, it was inner squad uh, scrimmage, which is always a lot of fun because guys love to, you know, chirp back and forth to each other. And it was Daryl B uh, Baylin who hit this monster home run on the backfield over what was essentially the green monster. And one of our pitchers, uh, Murphy Andrew, grabbed the wheelbarrow as the home run cart and like meant or motioned him to get in. And then that's when they started to push it. And as soon as I saw uh, Andrew grab, grab the cart, I was like, oh, I got to take get my phone out. I wish I'd been I wish I'd seen it soon enough that I could be on the other side. So it truly looks like, you know, what the Red Sox tweet out coming down the tunnel. Yeah. But I thought that was still pretty cool that uh, they want they, they they like to do stuff like that where, you know, we just like to have fun down here. And um, I think it helps for them. Like they know that we just want them to be themselves. Well, believe me like for the, do. for the Red Sox players. I mean, that's a thrill for them too. Like that they feel like, Hey, you know, just when, when it might start get old at Fenway, like, Oh yeah, look at, we're making an impact on these kids. Let's go. Oh no. Now, they, that... they love it. They're, they, they've, um, I know the guys definitely look up to, not just the major leaguers, but all the guys in the organization, all the guys who are at other affiliates, because, I mean, that's where they want to be. So getting to mimic that kind of things, like, it, it's cool for them, too. Does all that right. happen oh, a lot where ahead, they cool. emulate a lot of what's going on? Uh, as much as they can. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll that's probably been the biggest thing, but, uh, yeah, as much as they can. <laughs> well, well, speaking of emulating, um, someone who a lot of people want to emulate Mookie Betts is Miguel Blaze, right? So he's uh, there's a lot of great talented kids down there. I understand, but right now he's getting a lot of pub. Um, and I know that like people, the, the uniqueness about this fan base is that the interest in kids like this, right? And the kids down there. So as someone who gets a chance to see uh, Miguel play a lot, can you just sort of give us your perspective of where he's at? I can just say the first time I met him was instructs in October. And the first time he swung a bat, my first thought was, wow, I can't wait to watch this kid play. And so far I haven't been wrong. And I'm not just talking like hitting. Uh, like I said, I run the outfield. So even just getting to see him in the outfield, just how athletic he is. And the fact that he's so young, the power he already has, I mean, he's, he's going to have an exciting career and I'm looking forward to seeing that. And he's just a great kid. He's a lot of fun to work with. He's works hard. He listens. I mean, pretty much all the guys down here do that. Um, but yeah, no, he's definitely one that I'm glad uh, Red Sox fans are starting to notice him. Do, I, put it, I put in my spiel that they can watch him play if they come down to Fort Myers. <laughs> well, we, listen, friends and family right now, right? Not, not a lot of people go to those games, but it's great. Yeah, like, like, but, Summer vacation's coming up. I mean, yeah. good good time to take the, the uh, so, family down. So is he the type of guy, and I understand, I get it. Like, listen, I mean, there's a reason why, well, first of all, he's talented, but also when you get paid that amount of money for a signing bonus, people automatically are going to go like, oh, you're going to follow you through the system. But is he a guy where you say, let's say he really stands out? Like, you know, we don't want to compare him to other young players who came up and are stars in the major leagues because that's unfair to him. But I would imagine, let's just say Juan Soto's of the world, 
they stood out, right? They, they, at, even at 18 years old, they stood out. Does he stand out? Down here? Yeah, he does. He, he definitely stands out, which is hard because we actually have a pretty talented group this year. Um, but no, just the way he, he presents himself. I mean, the way he plays, obviously his bat, like, yeah, he does stand out. In okay. a situation like that, is that tough to, because as a coach and from that instructional, like Lee, you, you want to instruct guys and has there been anything where, you know, you're like giving him some tips or maybe like there's something that you tell him and it clicks and it makes him that much better of a, or just like a little bit better of a ball player or is with him, is it more so like making sure he maintains this level of play that he's at? It's a little bit of both. It really just depends on what we're talking to him about. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I tend to work with him more on the outfield side and for that, it's more just like little reminders, like those little things that make a difference in your defensive play with hitting. Yes. It's going to be, you know, little things we might want to tweak. Um, but that's most of the guys down here. I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize like these guys already have a lot of talent. It's usually just, you know, tweaking a little bit of a few things, the mental side, and then getting them used to a faster paced game than what they're used to. Uh, so with Blaze, a lot of the stuff like he already has, it is going to be occasional things that we might have to fix. But for the most part, it is just, yeah, helping him maintain that and then be ready for the next level where it is going to be slightly faster and getting him used to the game and that fast pace and everything that he's going to have to expect once he keeps moving up. Bianca, thanks so much. It's, it's, I mean, I, it's really an honor. And like you said, you, you've motivated us. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think I'd be leaving Friday night. Yeah, let's on go. A, a motivated. Let's like, let's I feel like go. I got to do, do a little bit more work let's today. But, I'm glad but, to hear that. That means I do my job. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, keep up the good work, and hopefully we can talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks again for having me on. All right, great stuff from Bianca. Now we turn to our guy in the minor leagues, Alex Manalis. Another big week for Alex getting a lot of notoriety for good reason, hitting a lot of home runs, and we're going to dive into a ton of stuff with him, including, by the way, as we said at the outset, how you make the $30 stretch for an entire day when you're on the road in Hickory, North Carolina. All that and more. Alex Benalis. All right. Boots on the ground, Benalis. He's back. Back. Wildly successful and popular off of always off of all your appearances but last week there was a lot of traction a lot of traction Alex on some of your uh, insight did you get that yeah yeah I saw I saw some stuff on on Twitter uh, some people uh, going going through commenting and and looking at the what I had to say about uh, what was it, like pitch clock stuff people yeah. really aware of what was actually going on in, in the minor leagues and, and what's to expect in the, I mean, the major leagues next year, cause are, you know, talking about implementing these things next year, if everything goes well this year at the minor league. So it was, it was a, uh, it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. You were the voice of a generation, man. You're like, honestly, in, and I, you know, I, I think you saw my face, my, whoa, 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 what face? Like yeah. when you said that, because, we had so focused so much on the pitchers and we hadn't really focused on the hitters. And, um, but you know, I think it was really, really good insight. And I think it struck a chord with a lot of people, particularly like you said, because next year you're going to be dealing with it. And I, and you know, I don't want to go back into it too much, but 
one of the things I can't get past, and I was talking to some people about this today, is that I think that we agree. It's a good thing, right? It, it yeah. makes the games are we're still quick this week, correct? Right? Yeah, we, we played three games this this week so far, and each of them has been under two hours and fifteen minutes. That, that's, wow. nuts. that's nuts. Yeah. So I mean, it does, and we we already talked about it a ton last week, but like getting more familiar with it is it becoming normal having games at that length? Yeah, I mean, it, like yesterday, I was like the sixth inning top of the sixth inning and there's a clock out in left center field at this field we're playing at and it was an hour into the game and we're, we're six innings deep or we're through five into the six and it's been an hour and it's just wow. like holy holy crap now do you do you think like guys like max scherzer or you know like justin verlander well like no so so cool, cool so cool this but that's you bring up the point that i, I was going to make which by the way nice shirt <laughs> thank you shout out savannah, savannah, bananas. savannah banana shirt right there <laughs> Um, but you bring up the point, like, so the pitchers, the pitchers are going to be, get pissed off at this, but I yeah. said this, I was, this is what I was going to say. Like I, after listening to you, Alex, I can't, it sounds like the batter is affected more, I right? can't fathom that a batter, that a major league batter, veteran batter is going to be like, when they say, Hey, you've got five seconds, like that they're going to, they have to do something. They can't do that. Yeah. I mean, like, like last night I swung out a slider in the dirt, right? Just a really bad swing. Didn't pick it up well. And I'm really pissed off and I step out of the box and I'm like taking a deep breath, trying to calm myself back down, trying to lock right back in. And I, you know, step back into the box. And as I'm doing my routine, like digging in, I look at the clock, it's at 10 seconds. So I got one more second to really be like, you know, ready, looking at the picture. So I like, you know, rush back into my, my, my stuff to make sure I'm in there. But, uh, you know, there, there's some guys like that we're catching on where we get, we get to call time once crap bat, right. So we can, the pitcher's, you know, holding, holding on, like with runners on base, he comes set and he's holding for a really long time. We can call time once per at bat. So if we're picking up like that nine seconds is coming pretty quick, we can call time to avoid that strike call. Like even if we didn't need time because of, uh, you know, the pitcher was doing something, it's just that nine second was coming up quick. We can call time. Same thing with the catcher. We Our catchers called time uh, like two or three times because the pitching clock was coming down to zero. And the catcher caught on. He's like, time, 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 before the umpire can call, you know, a ball. Now, when you look at, like, you, like Bill Belichick is known for being, like, a coach in the NFL that just, like, manipulates the clock. Can you see coaches starting to use timeouts, like, mid-at-bat as, like, trying to manipulate, like, the clock and trying to get into, like, the pitcher's, like, routine? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely going to have to be some new strategies that, you know, people didn't really use back then. You know, coaches coming up to the batter, calling time, uh, slowing the pitcher down. Cause you know, once pitchers get in that groove, you know, we we're always taught, you know, step out, take that deep breath, come back in, try to get them out of the rhythm. But now you do that, you know, it's a strike called on you. You can't really do that. So there's going to have to be these little, you know, I don't want like leeways or something with these, with these coaches, uh, some strategies. Definitely. I could see something happening with like, uh, in regards of that. Well, all right. So we, we don't want to spend all, all the live long day about, you know, because you, listen, you're, you're a much more nuanced person than just about the pitch clock, Alex. Let's talk baseballs, right? Because that's what we're talking about here. Are I don't we talking you, Rawlings baseballs? Yeah, yeah. This, you, you, were, you were thinking the same exact thing as me. I, oh, I thought at, you were going to go at, down this road. Look at you. All right. All right. We're, on, we're, we're thinking along the same lines. That's good. Um, 
but a lot of been talk, a lot of talk has been going on with Major League Baseball, and I know that minor league baseballs are different than Major League Baseballs. Mm-hmm. And you are hitting home runs. You you may you may by yourself have more home runs. Oh no, I, not even may. You have more home runs in the last two weeks than the Red Sox do in the last two weeks. Like that is science. That's a fact. And guys are hitting home runs still in the minor leagues. It seems. Give me your perspective on the baseball, whether it's whether it's the baseball that you're using right now, whether the baseball you saw in some of the games that you played in spring training, and maybe you don't have a thought on the baseball. I don't know, but I'm here to talk about the baseball. What do you yeah. got? Um, for me, the, the baseball is very similar to the ball we used in college. I'd say it flies a little a little better, but nothing too crazy. But uh, when I was down in Florida for that winter warm-up camp in the middle of January, we were hitting with big league balls during BP, and I could tell a huge difference with uh, the way those balls were coming off the bat and how they're carrying. Um, they just seem like you get those balls in the air, they just keep like floating almost, the major league balls. And that was the first time I ever hit with those. And I was like, oh, this is pretty fun, you know. <laughs> but uh, But – for, for the minor league ball, um, yeah, it, it's not – like I said, it's not a huge difference. You know, I'm not talking, you know, 40, 50 feet. It's an extra 10 no, feet. But, but so in what, the grand yeah. scheme of thing, yeah. 10 up. feet can, can – yes, 10 feet. Because how many times, you know, does a guy fly out to the warning track in the minor leagues where that extra 10 feet, uh, give or take, with the major league balls, you know, that's, that's a wall scraper home run rather than a deep fly ball out. But, uh, you know, th- yeah, the balls in the – I think triple AAA uses the major league balls, right? With the yeah. tighter, little tighter seams, yeah. So, I don't, I don't know. I, I like the balls. Uh, they're, they're not dead or what people say, you know, dead baseballs or whatever. Yeah, um, I mean – I mean, they, they, they fly pretty well. There used to be – I remember there was a couple of years ago when, when major league baseball, like there was sort of live balls in major league baseball. In the yeah. minor leagues, they were like – absolutely dead balls like there's a huge difference and i remember a player telling me that they did an experiment where they cut cut a baseball a couple of baseballs in half they took the the center of it and they held them up and they dropped them to the ground one bounced up and one didn't right hmm. so yeah. i mean this is and as coop knows um i have surfaced like the most underreported story of all time from four years ago which is rawlings uh, Major League Baseball buying Rawlings to control the yeah. baseball. But anyway, it's a conversation, and, and maybe it's not – in the minor leagues, it's not that big a deal. But certainly, you know, in the majors, it's it's a big deal because no one's hitting home runs. Yeah. But, but you're hitting home runs, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting that you say, though, about the, the college, that it's similar to the college ball. I mean, because no one even talks about – sort of what the college baseball, you know, what, what that's like with, with that equipment and how that's different. I mean, is, is that for you, is there a a big difference or no? No, I wouldn't say it's that big of a difference. Um, I noticed the, the minor league balls do fly a little better. Uh, You get them in the air, they'll stay in the air. Like, like I said, they'll like almost like float a little longer, but uh, no, they're, they're very similar. Um, not not that big of a difference. I know college, they recently, I think it was like two, maybe two years before I, I arrived on campus in 2019, they changed the ball to a little tighter seam. Um, and obviously with the BB core era, the home runs were down for a little bit. 
And then once they tighten up the seams a little bit to like a minor league baseball, as, as they always said, the home runs started to come back a little more. How are the, how are the, how are the Wisconsin high school baseballs? Terrible. <laughs> Just terrible. Just lawn mower uh, eating and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were really bad. And I, I remember like I'll go home and I got still got the bucket of baseballs that my dad would always throw to me in the cage and on the field. And I'd pick them up and I'm like, I can't even throw at this baseball because the seams will give me blisters because they're so, they're so once you, once you get a taste of like having like actual resources yeah, and you know what it's now. like. Yeah. You get spoiled. I can't imagine yeah. what like the MLB level of that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you, you know what it is? It's per diem. You know, these guys don't, I mean, like what's your per diem right now? What do you guys get? Uh, when we're on the road, we get, what is it? I think 150. 150 a day? Uh, no, for so it's like I think it's thirty dollars, something like right around thirty dollars a day. How far? Now you're in Hickory, on the North road. Carolina, right now, right? Yeah. How yeah. are you going to spend your thirty dollars? There's a lot of things you can do at a. This is like there should be. Yeah, there should, there should be a, like the reality show, or like there used to be a show called for, "Eating for Forty Bucks a Day." Eating for thirty bucks a day in Hickory, North Carolina. Go. Yeah, I mean, I wake up around 11, I go sh- shower and go straight to Zaxby's. <laughs> and then, uh, so I devour Zaxby's. And then uh, we come back, we chill in the hotel room, go to the field, whatever. And then we come back, we get a meal at the field. Sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's uh, like a little smaller portions. I mean, it is Hickory, North Carolina, so there's not much food options. So, you know, Come eleven o'clock, we're pretty hungry. So the last couple of nights, we we go over to the Waffle House and get a, like a breakfast bowl or something, and and so that that's uh, that's like the thirty bucks right there. That's you. Are you blown through the thirty bucks? Like yeah. uh, Zaxby's and Waffle House. I was about to say I I've, I I ran out of money a while ago listening to the story. Yeah, I there's mean, no way I could have done that. Yeah, it's it's and that that's like the two things that that are here in walking distance. Otherwise we got to Uber eat something or DoorDash, and, and that, that adds up quick. The Uber eats ends up and being by, more than by the, meal. by the way, we're not, oh, exactly, yeah. we're not ta- not exactly talking about the TB 12 diet here either. You know, it's oh, like, no, you can't, it's impossible. Yeah, you're eating, you're eating like probably tastier stuff. <laughs> yeah. A lot, it's very tasty. I'll tell you that, but yeah, it's not the most healthy. It's, it's, it's impossible. Like when we're at home, we can obviously, uh, we can cook we can we can meal prep i mean i'm not a big cooker but i know some guys on the team they cook they meal prep but uh, it's easier to get stuff at home because we got the grocery store or whatever but uh on the road it's it's whatever is right up the street from your hotel you better like it who's the best cook on the team uh i think i heard salucci cooks a lot and uh jack's groceries cooks a lot okay so uh, you, you kind of took big part Joe of my Davis. question yeah, Big Joe Davis, I heard, is a master on the grill. So I got I to Oh, listen, the, 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 Big Joe Davis is, is a legend on the grill. I, I mean, I knew oh. that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just looking at him, you're like, all right, this guy's got to know his way around the grill. <laughs> and, and we always talk about it. We're like, all right, you know, Monday's our off day. We're like, all right, Monday, you know, we're going to the courtyard of our apartment and, and Joe's going to, you know, do some work on the grill. And Monday rolls around. We're all, we're all in bed still taking a nap at two and it just never goes through. So one of these days it's going to happen. Well, I with, tell you what, the I'm name t- big Joe, I feel like you have to like be able oh, to cook yeah, like a nice brisket yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I tell you what, when we come down there, when the Bradford show does the road show, we're, I promise you, I will buy everybody, the entire team, a whole, a whole slabs of brisket and ribs and whatever. This is going to turn into like Scott's tots. I don't know if you're like as, an Oz's as, fan. As long as, as long as Big Joe is on the grill cooking them. That's all I ask. Yeah. Yeah. He'll do it. He's, right. he's awesome. He'll do it. All right. Um, okay. Speaking of teammates, this is your chance. Your favorite moment. Speaking of things that caught, caught fire off of your last appearance, your, your praising of your teammate. Oh, my goodness. Next thing I know. Like he's being written up in the Boston Globe today. I mean, it's like it's crazy. So give me, uh, give me the boots on the ground, Vanellis, pick to click uh, for the Greenville Drive, the wildly popular Greenville Drive. Who you got this week? Who are you building up? Uh, I'll go with Cuddy, Nick Northcutt. Oh, he, 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 yeah, he's been swinging a hot bat lately. Monday or not Monday night, Tuesday night, first first night of the series, he he had two home runs. He was two for four, two two bombs. Uh, he's been swinging a hot bat lately, taking taking some good at bats. So, def- definitely Cuddy. Okay, is now is there something? Because uh, we want to know the man behind the man. Tell us a little bit about him. Uh, nicest kid ever. He he he's deep down. He, he's he's so nice. He's a great teammate. He's one of those guys that you want to be around in the locker room. Uh, always got positive things to say. Always building. You know, every, everyone else up around him works hard just one of those guys that you you want to be around you know it's always it's always positive things by the way hit a home run i believe in the game that you played in sarasota yes yeah i did dead center yeah listen nobody knows spring training baseball better than me i (laughs) I can document it oh that's good stuff that's good to know i like that like like we said we're here to build up we got to do something like a team mvp well i don't want to i don't want to put it on like Alex to be putting like team MVPs out there every week because then guys are going to be like extra <laughs> no, nice to him and no, let's, buy let's, a it, system but someone, we got to create could, something someone could like have like a a, a sacrifice bunt and we, we can build them up and we can praise yeah, exactly. them. Exactly. We have to give them a it's prize a though. That's yeah. what I'm, I'm like maybe like the, a shirt. You want to give them a shirt? Yeah. Just I don't want to yeah we need, yeah. Some more, yeah. We need some more baseball some boring I don't know like, how many do you already have down there? <laughs> I got five right now, and I, I, I handed two out, so I got two more to hand out. Okay, how we do? How we do? How we making progress in the TikTok? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we've we've been wa- we've been watching. It's definitely something we got to do at home. Uh, on the road will be tough because the when, once we get to the field, it's 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 a scramble fest. Uh, getting the stretch, lift, hit. We got no time, but when we're at home. We got more time, so definitely within the next this coming week and the next homestand we should do you have the blueprint do you have like do you, do you have you sketched it, out a blueprint it's, for it it's 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 working uh you know, <laughs> that's, there's, the, there's, that's the most like procrastinated just, answer come on well because like there's there's a couple you know videos that i watch i'm like all right we could do that we could do that so it's not like one solid blueprint yet because there's still multiple things that we could do you know what i mean that's fair. Who's like, the best, like this? That was the best response. I'm gonna be honest. That was the best. Like I'm in a group project, and like I don't really care this much about the well, class. Yeah. Type <laughs> I've been well, on the I've been on I'm the giving telling... end of that. It's just like yeah, I read the gist of the book. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna start formulating the plan now. Off this. Yeah, I mean, well, I told McDonough because McDonough's got to be in it because he's my roommate, 
and he he hates like the spotlight like he always talks about how he hates like at when he's got to talk or do something on, on video like that's not baseball related you know so like he's got to be in it to embarrass him all right and then, there you go. and then and then nick york because that kid's a clown and so he, he's definitely got to be in. So I already gave them the heads up, like, you better be watching. Like, you run across something on TikTok, you better, you know, remember it, like it, save it, whatever. So we got we got three guys, me and those two. Okay. Look okay. That's, a good, that's a good building block. No, no, pressure, yeah. no pressure, but we're all counting on you. So like, <laughs> yeah. basically, like, the entire um, nation of Red Sox followers, they, they know, like, they're, as we said, if you do nothing else in life, Alex, know this, that you have the best TikTok account just by doing one TikTok <laughs> in the history of the Boston Red Sox organization. So, that, I mean, there's a standard to be – when David Ortiz hits his first playoff home run, people expect that he's going to hit another one. Let's go, yeah. all right? Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely get on that. And the best part about it is my sister, she, she's huge in the TikTok. She's posting all these TikToks, trying to get TikTok famous, whatever. You know, I post <laughs> one. I post one I, she posts, you know, 100 of them. I post one. It blows up. She gets so, so pissed off. So I, like, so I'll I, be honest, I don't understand TikTok at all. Like, at all. I'm, I'm Rob's social media guy yeah. here. I can do Instagram. I can do Twitter. But, like, TikTok's a scary place for me. Yeah, I mean, I always told myself, like during COVID, like I'm not getting TikTok. Like I'm, I'm just not doing it. All these people are like, oh, you got to get it. You got to get it. I'm like, no, it's, 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 it's stupid. I don't, I don't want that. And I downloaded it during, you know, quarantine and yeah. It's you get sucked thing. in. I, yeah. I'd spend yeah. like two hours a night what, just scrolling through. What's but, your, uh, Alex, what, what's your sister's name? Athena. We're going to send, Manella. we're going to send Athena. Quality base, name. We're going to send Athena a baseball isn't boring shirt. And it's gonna yeah. be, a, and now we're gonna pit whoever does the better the competition, Com- yeah, competition. A vanilla family competition. There you go. Oh, she'll love that. Yeah, here we go. Love that. All right, let's do it. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, listen. Good, another good week for you. Keep up the good work. Um, obviously, you know everyone here in the Bradfoe Show household are very proud of you. So um, keep on, keep on moving forward, and and uh, get out of Hickory without eating too much. With your, with your cholesterol level at normal. Rate, right? real, yeah. real quick question. Real quick question. Of the yeah. next week coming up, what game should uh, folks pay attention to? Ooh, nice. Like, uh, what's a big game for like you coming the, up that you think of? The Celtics Bucks Sunday. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. That game. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. we're talking Greenville. Yeah, yeah Greenville. What's, what's the big game? What's the big Everything gr- on Boston's radar is Greenville right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean every, every game. I mean, it, it's hard to say – you know, one game and we play the same team, you know, six, six days in a row. And then uh, I think who we got, I think we got Rome next week, that Atlanta Braves. Um, who's the best affiliate. pitcher that you, who's the best pitcher that you've faced so far? Ooh. Um, I mean, so far, no, you, I, I, nobody. I, I can't really, nobody yeah, there. I can't, I can't really pick one that's really stuck out, you know, best okay. pitcher. I mean, at well, this level, every, everyone's pretty, pretty competitive um i'd say like very similar in the way that that they uh go about their business and the, the way that they uh you know deliver the baseball so it's all pretty similar because everyone competes and at a very high level so yeah that was the most rookie development answer i've ever heard in my life <laughs> <laughs> that was like 
Yeah, I mean that was like a that's like Bill Belichick, like no bulletin board material. Yeah, no, I understand. I I, 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 I always, I always hate, I always hate trying to like you know say this guy's. No, I get. Listen, it's a lot, but I don't. But at the same time, you know, I don't want to be like sound super cocky, like oh no, nobody. You know, yeah, but you kind of you. But you should be that way. You got to respect it. You got to respect you know the opponent, but at the same time, it's you know. You know, at the same time, it's like you know, I you want to have that mentality of like, yes, like you know, you know, I'm the best, and and you know, this guy is not better than me. But sure, at the same time, but you know, you can't, you can't, you know, come out and and say that. It's you got to respect everyone, no matter no matter what, pretty much, and because this game is humbling. Baseball is very humbling. So once you you start getting too high and saying all these things, you know, this game's going to beat you down at the same time. If you get too low on yourself and you praise all these other people, it's going to, it's going to come back and, and bite you. So, so what you're you saying is that out. you have not yelled out to the mound saying, I piss ass excellence. <laughs> no, okay. no shot. One time, one time. That's a big, <laughs> and that goes back to our first podcast, Talladega Nights, right? There you go. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, Alex. Thanks again. Always a pleasure. And, uh, and uh, keep us keep us informed. You're you're our lifeline. I got you. I got you.